Today is March 18th, 2018. The title of today's message is Strong Hands, Steady Knees, and Liquid Hearts. Strong Hands, Steady Knees, and Liquid Hearts. Would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 35? Get it. Ah, Isaiah 35. And we're going to start in verse 3. Today has an opportunity to be a very, very special day for our church. As we're getting ready to get into the Word together, we've had a great time of worship. We've had prophecies in tongues. We've had prophecies interpreted in English. We've had scriptures that have come forth. We've had people getting their hearts and their lives right with the Lord. We've had people being touched in many, many ways by the power of God. One of the things that we have an opportunity to do right now is I believe that the Lord is helping our church to grow. I believe that each and every day of what we're doing, that the Lord is trying to give us strong hands and steady knees. He's trying to move us forward, that every person in this room, did you hear the prophecies this morning? I'm I'm calling us back. I know this was just a few minutes ago, right? Did you hear what the Lord was saying? Hey, I'm with you. I want you to increase. I want you to step forward. I don't want you to be leaning. Let's, let's go. Let's step forward. Let's increase to what you can do. Let's seek after the spiritual gifts. What a disadvantage that our world and our American society is that doesn't want to have spiritual gifts at work in the middle of a service. No wonder so many people are turning from the church because they go to places that have no power, that have no impact and ability to be able to change people's lives. Well, that's not the kind of church that we're in. But the design that God has for us is that you are a part of that. That you have gifts, that you have calling, that you have a place in this body that God has divinely set. And that you are supposed to be operating. You're supposed to be functioning with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're supposed to be moving in faith, in power, with what you're doing in your life. And then when we come together, man, it's the encouragement that we need to continue on. As you look in Isaiah chapter 35 and verse 3, let's look at what the Word of God says. Are you there? It says this, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance. You ever, ever heard that phrase used on somebody? Yeah. When they came, they came with a vengeance, right? What does that mean? That means they came and they had some serious purpose in what they were doing. He's going to come with absolute power, with absolute vengeance when he comes. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. In other words, he will have in his hands what is due to you. What your works have done for the Lord, what your works have earned, he will come with divine retribution. If you deserve a reward, he will have the reward with him. If you deserve punishment, he comes and has punishment with him. But he comes with divine retribution. In other versions, it'll say divine recompense. He'll give you what your life has produced and what you actually deserve. Anybody ever said that? You heard your kids? You know, hey, I deserve this. That can be suspect when some people say it, can it? Yeah, what exactly do you deserve again? Yeah, but we have a God who understands and sees that and will in fact give us what we deserve. 
Let's go back to verse three. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. I was looking at that this week. This passage was on my mind. It was on my mind as we were praying. Some of you even sent it in and confirmed this word. And I was thinking about strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. And I, I just looked in the Hebrew and I found some interesting words for that. Um, Tara, can you put up the first slide? It says strengthen the feeble hands. Here's the word behind strengthen. The word is kazak. If you're not familiar with that, we have, speaking of the song that on one of the videos that we have, I will proclaim in the middle of this song that was written by our worship team, rock kazak, be strong and courageous. If you're not familiar with that, you're kind of like, why do you guys have that in the middle of one of your worship songs? Because kazak means to be strong. Sometimes it means to be courageous, figuratively. It means to strengthen, that the Lord wants to strengthen. He wants to kazak your hands. Steady the knees that give way. Next slide, please. Here's the word for steady. Amats. It means to have courage. But wait, pastor, I thought one of the words for kazak was also courage. Yes, it is. Because you need twice as much courage if you're really going to go about and do what the Lord has for you. It's one thing to have the skill and the ability, but in most of us, don't we fight with the idea of just getting out there and doing what God has called us to do? The Lord says, I'm going to give you strong hands. I'm going to kazak your hands. I'm going to steady your knees. Wow, what an interesting verbiage. I'm going to steady your knees. Anybody ever felt weak in the knees? Man, I still remember over 21 years ago, the day that I got married. I saw my beautiful bride in white for the first time, came through those double doors, and I was like, whew, whoo, Lord, help me. Got a little weak in the knees. The Bible says that he's going to, that the Lord is going to fact amots your knees. He's going to help strengthen your knees. You know, when you start talking about Kazakh and amots, it became a war cry for Israel. The rock part, by the way, Rock Kazakh in our song means only be strong. Only be strong and courageous. And the idea of Rock Kazakh became a shorthand way of saying Rock Kazakh Amats. May you be strong and courageous in what God calls you to do. Only be strong and courageous. Do not get sidetracked. Do not feel that you have weak hands and feeble knees for the Lord is going to strengthen you. That's exactly what the prophecy that Sam interpreted today was. That's what she said, not knowing what we were going to preach about. That's what the prophecy in tongues and interpretation told us today. It's time. It's time for us to strengthen ourselves and rise up in faith and walk and add to the faith virtue and add to what we have. I'm not saying you don't have anything today. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're not praying at night for our team. That's not what I'm saying today. But what I am saying is let's add to it today. Let's have some Kazakh and Amats in what we do today. Let's move forward. This group of people, each one of you that are here today, you need to have Kazakh and Amats operating in your life. Amen. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3. You're going to find that Kazakh and Amats are wrapped up in some pretty interesting places in the Word. Deuteronomy chapter 3, and let's look at verse 28. <clears throat> It says this, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, but commission Joshua.
and encourage and strengthen him. For he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. But commission Joshua is what it says in verse 29. I mean 28 rather. And encourage and, and strengthen. You know what those two words are in order? Kazak amats. He's saying, here's what you need to do, Moses. I am telling you as the Lord of all creation, you need to commission, appoint, direct, command, instill in a position. You need to commission Joshua. You know why? While you're doing that, I need you to come up, Kazak and amats him. I need you to strengthen and encourage him because he is going to need it. So God instructs Moses about this. Turn a few chapters to Deuteronomy chapter 31. Probably more familiar passage if we're talking about these two words. Let's look at verse 7. Moses speaks with Joshua. And then in front of everyone, verse 7. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the presence of all Israel. You know what? If you've really got Kazak and Amatz, it's not going to stay a secret for very long. The Lord told Moses to do this, and we see Moses carrying out his words. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and be courageous. Kazak, Amatz. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. Did Joshua have a big call to fulfill in the Lord or not? He was supposed to take them into the promised land. Moses was not allowed to make that cross over into the promised land. But that was Joshua. That was his task. That was his assignment. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. Come on, what a great passage. Would you like the Lord to say that to you? Oh yeah, he already has, hasn't he? The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. You know what I find in the word of God? That when you're finding Kazakh and Amat be strong and courageous in places, you know what's usually very close? Is it also says somewhere close in the passage, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. You know why? Because we get afraid and we get discouraged. He's giving you the answer even before we acknowledge the problem. The answer is that we are strong and courageous. That we kazak and amats. Because there will be fear that tries to get a hold of us. There will be discouragement that tries to set in. How well you can defeat fear and discouragement are depending on how well you can be kazak and amats. This is going to build somewhere, and these are going to build some things into our hearts today. I want you to to make sure that you're connecting with what we're saying here. This is an important principle for us, not just to understand it, not just to think, yes, pastor, I know what kazakh means. Yes, pastor, I know what amats means. Yeah, but are you walking in kazakh and amats? Or is fear having much more of a place in your life than you give credit for? Is discouragement having much more of a place in your life? Does it keep you from doing what you're supposed to do? If we stacked up your daily activities, would we see Kazakh and Amats going on? Or would we see something else? Well, pastor, I, I, I work in an office. How many times could I be strong and courageous in the midst of an office? Uh, pastor, I'm just, a, I'm just a home wife. How can I be strong and courageous just in the midst of my home? Yeah, we might need the most Kazakh and Amats if you are at home with kids. 
We might need the most kazakh and amats if you're a husband and a wife and you're trying to figure out how to stay in the right shalom before the Lord. It might take some courage, some being strong to do this thing well. Otherwise, we just go through life and we look like everyone else around us. We're part of a great church. We, we huddle together. We have a meeting almost every night in our church. And when we don't, we get booed. <laughs> Fine. I see how you want to be every night. Yes, let's do it every single night. But for you in this room, how is your life stacking up? Is your life demonstrating Kazakh and Amats today? Let's look at another, another scripture. We're in Deuteronomy 31. Turn to verse 23. The Lord commanded this to Joshua, son of Nun. Be strong and courageous, Kazakh and Amats. For you will bring the Israelites into the land I promised them on oath. Now, who gave this command to Joshua? So we have the Lord speaking to Moses to tell Joshua, Kazakh and Amats. Then we have Moses speaking to Joshua, to Kazakh and Amats. Then we have Joshua hearing from the Lord to Kazakh and Amats. How important of a message is this? I guess it depends on how much you need to do for the Lord. I guess it depends on what your assignment for the Lord is. I guess if you're not going to do anything, then it doesn't matter if God tells someone else. It doesn't matter if that someone else tells you. I guess it doesn't matter too much if the Lord himself tells you. But I think the Lord has spoken to us as a leadership team and said, this is what you need to tell the body today. It's something that many of them think that they know, but through prophecy I know and am encouraged that this is the right word for us today. Kazakh and Amats, church. It's time for you to step forward. It's time for you to embolden yourself in God's presence. It's time for you to lay away, lay aside the childish things. Those things that have been tripping you up. The sin and the weights that so easily entangle. Let us run with purpose what God has set before us. Let's take a look at Joshua 1. Just a few pages over. So we've had the Lord speak to Moses. We've had Moses speak to Joshua. We've had the Lord speak to Joshua. Now what else happens? In Joshua chapter 1. Verse 6 through 9. This is probably the most famous passage. If I say Kazakh Amats or Rock Kazakh, this is the one that's probably associated with in your mind for most people. Yes? yes? It says, be strong and courageous, Kazakh Amats, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. Pastor, these, these passages all are talking about the same thing. Yes, yes they are. How many times does the Lord have to tell you something before you get it right? Oh, I want to do it right on the first time. There's no question about it. But how many times does he have to say he has to keep coming back and saying something? Come on, parents. You got little ones at the house. How many times do you have to say, no, don't touch that? <laughs> too much is the answer. However, however many it is, the answer is too much. How many times do you have to tell your teenager to do or not to do something? How many times do we need the instruction before we actually get a part of it and go, you know what I ought to do? I think I ought to do this. The Lord is in fact saying kazakamats, not because he wants you to remember a Hebrew phrase, but he's trying to get you to be bold. He's trying to get you to be strong. He's trying to get you to be courageous. If our church will do this over the next few weeks, I'm telling you that God has something on the other end of this. One of the things I love about the men who are on the trip, and there are, there are people here in this room who are also doing it. But when they hear something in the word, they just go do it. They're putting it into practice. What makes them special? 
Yeah, they put, they put into practice what the Word of God says. What will make us special? Yeah, if we just put into practice exactly what the Word of God says. You don't like the way your home is going? Do something about it. Don't whine about it. Don't tell me how wretched your husband is and how he can't learn and how... No, 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 don't tell me that. How about you get in the Word and you start to submit and we watch, we watch the husband get changed by the very power of God. First Peter says he doesn't even have to be saved and he starts getting impacted if you do it right, ladies. Man, it's almost like it's a superpower. It's incredible. Men, don't tell me how much your wife can't follow. How about you get in the Word and figure out how to lead? Don't tell me how, how your kids can't do something. We're not going to curse our kids with low expectations. We're going to raise them up in a generational ministry understanding that they will go further and faster and do much more for the kingdom than we will. Don't tell me about what your kid can't do. Don't tell me about their limitations because I just don't believe it. And you shouldn't either because if you have Kazakh and Amant, you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to be afraid or discouraged. This is so simple. My God, it's so simple. But are we doing it? Are we doing it every day in every way? Are your conversations sprinkled with you being strong and courageous? Do you go after it or do you get nervous and do you shrink back? Let's be strong and courageous in what the Lord is teaching us. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. (laughs) In case you missed it, the first time it's Kazakh and Amat, and this time he adds the word for very. Be very courageous. Do you describe yourself as very courageous? I don't mean, are you willing to jump out of a plane with a, with a parachute on? I mean, are you courageous in the people that you see that need something and you go after it or go after them? Are you able to go and snatch some from the fire? Are you able to have the conversations that are needed? Are you very courageous? I don't know, pastor. I don't think I'd be described as that, but I want to be. Well, amen. Then today is the right place for you. How do you do this? How are you strong and very courageous? The next sentence, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. You want to be successful in the Lord? Hold to his word. Don't veer, not one little bit. Not one day, not one decision, not one time is it okay for you to veer from God's word. Verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Think about it. Be reading it. Be talking to other people about it. Spend your time in the Word so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. You know why you have to be careful? Because it's easy not to do everything written in the Word. Because we are all pretty sure that we can handle things without the Word of God. Well, Pastor, I mean, I know when it's about preaching. When I go to prison, i got a word for it. But what about when I'm in the store? What about if I'm just doing my daily life? What about if all the people who know me at work? Yeah, I've already, I've already, I've already witnessed to them. So now I guess I'm done, huh? I would say no, you're not. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It's three times in basically four verses. How important is this? You're getting a, a trilogy. In the Hebrew language, if you say it twice, it's incredibly important. How important is it if he says it three times? There's very few things that are repeated three times in such a short succession. One of them is holy, holy, holy. 
We have be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Joshua is telling this to the people. Look what it says right after be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Huh, there it is again. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Turn to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua 10 is such an incredible passage. I don't have time to get into any. This is when the sun stands still. A man cried out and asked the heavens to stop in their place. You think it was important that Joshua was strong and courageous? The thought of even asking for that blows my mind. Well, Lord, I need the sun to stop so your people will win. Okay, Joshua, how about an extra day? It stood still for about the course of a day so that God's people could win. Man, that's not even the cool, that's not even the part I'm trying to get to. Look at verse 22. Because it wasn't just about the sun stopping, there was a battle to fight. It wasn't just about only the supernaturalness of one event, there were more enemies to go get. So he's, he's driving out the enemies. Five kings go hide and look, listen to this. He goes and gets them. Verse 22, Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out to me. So they brought the five kings out of the cave, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jarmuth, Lachish, and Eglon. Wow. Thinking back to Pastor Eric on a foundation, defining those and realizing kind of a message within a message. I just tease you with that now because I won't tell you those. You get to go study those. When they had brought these kings to Joshua, he summoned all the men of Israel and said to the army commanders who had come with him, come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. Conquered five kings and he had every soldier walk by and put their combat boot on the neck of these captured kings. That, that's, an incredible, that's an incredible picture. How long would that take, by the way? For an army. These five king, kings are just laying there and they keep putting their boot on the necks of these guys. What is he trying to teach them? I don't know. Let's read another verse. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Joshua said to them, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. You know who had the right to say be strong and courageous? Probably Joshua. Yeah, Moses told him. Moses heard from the Lord. Moses told him. He heard from the Lord. Then he began to being able to speak that to someone else. The reason I'm saying to you today is be strong and courageous is one, because I need to be strong and courageous. Two is because I want you to be strong and courageous because there will be other people that you will need to encourage in their walk with the Lord as they're learning how to put their boot on the neck of the enemy. Those things that keep binding people, those things that they can't overcome that will become completely conquered. And you're going to have to tell them, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. Kazakamats. This is what is going on here in this beautiful passage. Joshua's telling the people, and he's not just telling it to them, he's showing it to them. This is how you are strong and courageous, because we are going to put our foot on the neck of the enemy. And this is the way that it's going to be with any enemies that, any and all the enemies that we're going to fight, this is the way that they're going to end up too. Come on now, we need to let our faith rise in this place today. Turn to, turn to uh, Second Chronicles for the fifth section, for the fifth passage rather. 
on this, we're going to find some grace that God has for us in how to be Kazakh and Amats. Second Chronicles chapter 32. It's a very Western uh, European influence on people to think that you can know something without doing it. You can know about Kazakh and Amats because you've been here. And this church is better than going to a Bible college. It just is, I'm going to tell you. Other churches are trying to send their kids off to internships and off to Bible colleges to learn things. Yeah, we get that. We call that foundations. (laughs) We call that... Tuesday night at someone's house. We call that hanging out at the pastor's house on Forte and, and elder's house on Forte Drive on Sunday night. That, that's just our day. We just call it Tuesday. Right? But if you know the definition of the word, if you can say it and spell it out and tell me what the paleo pictures are and all this stuff, and you're not doing it, it doesn't really matter, now does it? We're actually only making ourselves guilty in the matter. I would rather do it and somebody go, this is what you're doing. Oh, that's awesome. That's Kazakhanamats. I love this. I love being bold. I love being strong. I love being courageous in what God is calling me to do. Not ever shrinking back. Not for a minute. Not for a day. Not for a prayer. Not for a thought. I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forwards in Christ. Second Chronicles chapter 32. This is verse 1. After all that Hezekiah. Everybody say Hezekiah had so faithfully done. Come on now. The chapter before, it ends with Hezekiah was was doing some wonderful things in the kingdom. Sennacherib. I'm going to say it Sennacherib. I think the more accurate way might be Sennacherib. But I've said it Sennacherib for long enough. I'm just going to agree and we'll say I'm saying it right. Because I have the microphone. No, okay. Um, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. Let's skip down. Uh, King Hezekiah decides, he's like, we're not going to make it easy on these guys. We're going to stop up the river so they at least don't, they have to go find water. We're not going to make it easy when they get in our, our city. We're going to fortify our walls. We're going to be strategic with what we do. We're going to be ready for the enemy. We're getting ready. He's coming. Sennacherib is saying he's coming. Assyria is about to come and attack us. We're going, to, we're going to fix the walls. We're going to make sure there are no places where they can easily get in. We're going to cut off our own water supply. So if they do get in, it makes it hard on them too. Man, we're in a battle and we're ready to fight. Praise God. Verse 6. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. You ready? Be strong and courageous. My friends, today I'm trying to encourage you with the words that say, be strong and courageous. It doesn't matter how the enemy outside of you looks. I'm glad that you're making preparations. Our homes should be fortified. Our homes should be in such right shalom between husbands and wives that it's like a fortified, it's like a fortress when you come home. Your ministry is supposed to flow. No, no, no. Your ministry does flow from your home. The strength of your marriage will in fact be the strength of your ministry. 
The strength of your parenting will in fact be the validation and the strength of your ministry. Pastor, we, we, we know this. Don't tell me what you know. Show me. Show me. Was that Missouri, the show me state? I'm about, to, I'm about to move to Missouri. Just show me. When we can do this rightly and have right shalom, when we get things right, but what if it's hard, Pastor? But what if I don't like how this is going to work? What if I have to have a difficult conversation with my wife? What if I have to have a difficult conversation with my husband or with my kids? Yeah, you need to have it. You know why? Because I'm telling you to be strong and be courageous. Any man honest enough in this room to say you've, you've, uh, you knew that you were supposed to have a conversation with your wife, but you became afraid or discouraged and you just decided not to have the conversation? Some of y'all are honest. Thank you. Wives that need to have a conversation with their husbands, but, but not sure. I'm saying be strong and be courageous and get your homes in the right order. That will take away the fear and discouragement that you're feeling. Let's keep going. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. Boy, what does that sound like? Does that start hinting at a Romans 8 kind of passage? Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Look, we've got something. You think those guys were just making, that the apostle Paul was just making these things up? He's thinking back to situations like this. He's saying, be strong and courageous. Why? Because the one that's with us is greater than the one that's outside. But what about the one that's outside? This king of Assyria came and had a dominant force. When we talked about Gideon, the army that was against Gideon was 135,000 people. Whittled it down to 300 men fighting this 135,000. Just a little hint. This army is much bigger than that. At least 185,000 people. 185,000 people. That was like the city that I grew up in. An army that big. Look at what's going on here. Let's, let's skip down to verse 10. This is what Sennacherib, king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing your confidence? Now, wait a second. I'm encouraging you to have Kazakh and Amats today to be strong and to be courageous. What happens when the enemy actually just starts talking back to you? What happens when the situation doesn't go away because Pastor Wade told me to be strong and courageous? Cool, it's going to work out quickly, isn't it? Listen to what Sinasherib says. Hey, on what are you basing your confidence? <laughs> uh, excuse me? Yeah. Yeah, you said to be strong and be courageous, and I know everybody's all excited now. All you people feel encouraged because you gave them Kazakh and Amats. Woo! This is the enemy speaking boldly, defiantly. On what are you basing your confidence that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? Yeah, he's like, I'm not stopping just because you went, rock Kazakh. When Hezekiah says, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, he's misleading you. Just direct demonic opposition. Yeah, you know you thought you were going to do something for the Lord? Yeah, you're stupid. How in the world could you do that, Gabriel? I mean, Kazakh and Amat's all you want, but how are you going to do something for the Lord? Isn't that immediately what the enemy tries to hit you with? You're like, man, God, I want to do this. 
I feel something stirring up inside of me. I want to do this. But you know what happens is we leave here and the want goes away. The move of the spirit corporately, our emotions die down just a little bit. You know what happens? We no longer are Kazakh and Amats. We're something else. We're fearful and discouraged. I, I don't know if I can, you know. Well, I'm not Elder Charlie, so I know he's called and he's... Huh. Immediately, the enemy starts saying, yeah, you can't do it. By the way, you're getting misled. This is stupid. Why would you want to fix your home? What a dumb thing to say. No, 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 no. We're not misleading you because we are speaking scripture to you. He is misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. Did not Hezekiah himself remove the gods in high places? Verse 13. Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of the other land? Who's speaking here? Okay. Uh, uh, it's okay. I'll ask it again. Who is speaking here? This is the king of Assyria. Okay. Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the people of the other lands? Don't you know how ridiculous it is for a church this size to try to go and plant people in the Middle East? Do you know how stupid that is? There are three families living together in the same house. That's weird. (laughs) Nobody does that. That's weird. Yes, it's weird. It is. I fully admit it. But we're not going to listen to the enemy saying, don't you know what other people have tried to do? Don't you know that many people better than you have tried this and they failed? That may be the case. That may be the case that there are many men who are much more anointed than me, that are much more talented than me, that are much more intelligent than me. They may have, in fact, tried and failed, but I will still stand here before you today and say, I will have Kazakh and Amat, and they're going to have to kill me to stop me. That's the only way that this is going to go down, because I'm surely not going to just bow to your words, Satan. I'm not going to bow to the enemy saying, just whispering in your ear. If only it were as bold as a king standing before you and going, you guys are so stupid. In our world, it looks like our own family saying, why won't you just come hang out with us? Why don't you, why do you keep the kids so far from us? You've stolen our grandkids away from us. I'm right here. You're welcome to come my way. Here's the standard. You come my direction. Oh no, I'm not allowed to come your, oh wait, this only works one way. Wait a minute. Who's misleading who? Don't you know? Don't you know that most people fail? Don't you know? You think you're going to win? How do you think your little church is going to win? Really? You guys? Yeah, we are. I'm going to put my boot on the neck of that enemy and the neck of that enemy. And after that one, I'm going to do another one. And then I'm going to keep doing another one. And they're going, yeah, but there's too many enemies. Well, then I'll, I'll get a new pair of boots. probably from the Salvation Army. (laughs) What? We need to start getting some boots on in this place. You need to start getting some spiritual boots on and saying, yeah, it's time to put my foot on the neck of the enemy. To not let the king of Assyria, this is a bad dude. He has all the the facts are on his side. 185,000 people in the army. They're closing in on Israel. You're going to stay there? You're going to stay right there, Rick? You're going to still hold on to God? And Rick's like, yeah, I'm going to hold on to God. That's exactly what I'm going to do. 
This is making me want to be afraid or be discouraged because, man, this is really coming up against me. But I can't. I won't because the Lord has told me to Kazakh and Amat, and that's exactly what I'm going to do here. Keep going. Were the gods of the other nations ever able to deliver? They can't, they couldn't do it. Who of all the gods of these nations that my fathers destroyed has been able to save his people from me? Your gods can't save you from me. Verse 15. Now do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you like this. Don't you keep going to that crazy little church called LCM. They're just, they're just a little bit too, they're just a little bit too serious about this. Don't you want to go somewhere else where you can be more comfortable? I promise you, if you want to be comfortable, this is the wrong church for you. If you don't want to be Kazakh and Amats and you want to just be okay and, and, and lulled to sleep and think that you're doing okay, there are a lot of other places like that. Verse 16. Sennacherib's officers spoke against, spoke further. It's not just the king. It's not like there's just one voice that you have to silence. They're all over the place. Could be your boss. Could be your coworkers. Could be a court judge. It could be your finances. It could be your living situation. It could be whatever it may be that are just a bunch of officers for the enemy trying to speak the same line to you. Verse 17, the king also wrote letters insulting the Lord. Just in case you missed it, I wanted to make sure I put it in writing for you. In case you can't remember exactly how much I'm trashing what you're trying to do, yeah, I'll put it in writing. Anybody ever put anything in writing, JJ? You know, Facebook? Anybody ever just tweet something at you and you're like, what in the world? I said tweet, I did. Verse 18, they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall. It's one thing to have an insult come at you. It's another thing to have the enemy speak your language. They called out in Hebrew. Yeah, you guys who are standing on the walls... Those of you in this little church who are standing and try to pray in the middle of the night, I'm going to try to speak your language. I'm going to just try to discourage you while you're praying for the real people going out and doing something. I'm going to discourage you to say you're not them. I'm going to discourage and say, yeah, you're really not even praying very well, are you? You know that two minutes in there where you kind of, you blinked and you got stuck in a blink? Okay. You know that part where you, you. The enemy starts speaking your language, doesn't he? Those buttons. Boink. It's, it's childish because some of us get so afraid and so discouraged so easily. The enemy will kind of let you get worked up and just push, pushes your button because he's speaking your language. You mean, you mean discourage you? Here you go. Boink. You mean, you mean completely get you off of this Kazakh and Amats? Let me have something happen to your finances. Boink. Speak in your language, man. You think you're going to be a mighty man of God? You can't even get your wife to do anything that you need her to do. Boink. Speak in your language. It's going to remind you of every time you've ever failed. Even the times that you didn't fail, but now that you look back, you're like, eh, even when I did it right, I failed. Yeah. Speak in your language. Come on now. 
You need to speak this kind of language. Yeah, kazakh and amats. Yeah, I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be courageous. I'm not going to let that wear me down. Yeah, you know what? The truth is, is there probably that that I didn't do right and a lot more. I'll just concede that I am not enough on my own, but what I am going to do is be kazakh and amats so that I can get this done. I'm going to raise my family rightly. I don't care if anybody in my generations ever have this. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know about the rest of you. And there's a lot of people in here who are along the same lines. If it were just me, I have enough kazakh and amats about me that we're going to do this. And you know what I love about my church? So do you. We just need to be reminded of it. Let's turn back to Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35 and verse 3 says this, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, say to those with fearful hearts, fearful hearts, Um, Tara, can you put up the word here? I thought fearful would have been a word that's that. one of the more, I'm familiar with some of the words in Hebrews for fear. I was expecting it to be one thing. And here's what I found it to be. Mahar. Mahar is a primitive root properly to be liquid. To flow easily. This is the only place in the Bible that this word is translated as fearful. To be liquid or flow easily to hurry. It it blew me away. Say to those with liquid hearts. Say to those who should be strong and courageous, but inside, the second that the heat comes, they start melting away. When they're supposed to stand strong and it's supposed to matter, not only in a church service, but when you're at your home and you need to be strong and courageous. You know what happens? When you're supposed to be bold to your own spouse, when you're supposed to be righteous to your own kids, when it's, when there's no one else around and there's a screen or there's no one else around and there's something that you want to buy or there's someone, no one else around and you're just to be who you are. You think Kazakh and Amats is only when you're out on the battlefield? That would make it something that you do. I'm telling you, you should be Kazakh and Amats. We don't need men and women Liquid hearts. I will do what the Lord has for me to do. I can't do it. Maybe we'll come in and I'll run to the altar the next service. And then maybe I've gathered myself. I've gathered my composure. Now, now I'll have... We melt again. Say to those with melting hearts, with liquid hearts. Keep your place here in Isaiah. We're going to do a rapid fire of some scriptures here. Leviticus chapter 26. Amen. I think River appreciated that. Leviticus chapter 26. Verse 36. 26, 36. Talking about having a liquid heart. As for those of you who are left... I will make their hearts so fearful in the lands of their enemies that the sound of a wind-blown leaf will put them to flight. It's kind of funny when you see it written, isn't it? 
By the way, we just keep going law prophets writing on these things, right? Over and over. We see, hey, I'm going to, you're going to be so afraid that literally the sound of rustling leaves is going to make you skittish. It's going to take away your confidence. It's going to take away your joy. It's going to take away all the strength that you thought you had just from the sound of something. What is it? Proverbs 28.1, the righteous are as bold as a lion, but the wicked flee though no one pursues. Hey, this is not a church and you need not be a person who runs away though no one is pursuing you. How do we do that? Pastor, we wouldn't do that. We do it all the time. You talk yourself out of witnessing to somebody and there's no one actually chasing you. Our friends are in Russia right now with police walking around saying you can't evangelize in public and they're preaching out loud in the in Red Square. Take that, Stalin. Right? I mean, they're in Russia preaching out loud and we're afraid to really get after somebody. We've got to alter our speech because we don't have enough of the Word of God. Our hearts are melting. How is that any different than, a, than the sound of a wind-blown leaf making us flee? It's not. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. Well, I'm, I'm loving on Joshua today. Joshua 5, 1. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard about the Lord, how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we crossed over, their hearts melted. Whose hearts melted? The enemies. It should be that our boldness, that our strength is causing other people. It's causing the enemy to lose heart. Not us to lose heart because we're supposed to kazak and amats, be strong and courageous. And when we do this right, we also see it in, in um, uh, Joshua chapter 2 with Rahab. Her whole, she's like, I know the Lord must be with you because all of our people, their hearts have melted. Liquid hearts. Turn to Psalm chapter 22. Psalm chapter 22. Let's start in verse 14. This is a messianic psalm. Psalm relates to David. This is the psalm of David. Psalm relates to a lot of different things. But probably no other singular place in the word of God does Jesus quote from more when he is. uh, We are, what, two weeks away from the day that we call Easter in our culture, Passover. Two weeks away from that. There's probably nowhere that Jesus quoted from more than Psalm 22. As he is on the cross. Look at verse 14. I am poured out like water. And all of my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. Jesus understands what it's like to have a liquid heart, doesn't he? I mean, he understands from the pressure that was there. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of the earth. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Do you see why this is a messianic? This was not something, a device of torture that the Jewish people even used. 
The idea of piercing someone's hand and feet. We see it and immediately know that it's a prophetic voice as well as a time that is met right there for our Christ dying on the cross. I count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. Wow. Wow. The enemy gloats over me. Why is Pastor Eric's one of his favorite verses is out of Micah? Do not gloat over me, my enemy. But what's happening here? The reason that, that we can say that and be encouraged and be Kazakh and Amats about that is because it happened to Christ. They were gloating over him. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Why? He understands what it's like to have a heart that is liquid, that is melted like wax. Turn to Isaiah chapter 13. Are y'all with me here today? Isaiah 13 in verse 6. Wail for the day of the Lord is near. He will come like destruction from the Almighty. Because of this, listen to this. All hands will go limp. Every man's heart will melt. If you haven't had a time in your life yet where your heart has melted, you've probably not even tried very hard. You've probably not tried to accomplish something that's too great right now if you can't really think of a time when you're like, yeah, my heart melted in that moment. That pressure was so high. The heat was so hot that it was turned up on me. I melted. My strength and courage, they fled from me. I had a fearful heart. It says, <laughs> this says that every man, their arms will go limp. Their heart is going to melt like wax within them. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Can you put up the Mahar slide again for me, Tara? One of the things about this word is that it was to be liquid or to flow too easily. Can you just go along to get along? Is that the phrase? That means it's too, you're flowing too easily. If you can be transitioned because of the group that you're in. If you can lose your character. If you can lose who you really are because of who you're around. You've got a fearful, mahar kind of heart. But look at the second part. Word it means also to hurry. Maybe you're not in a moment right now where you've got a melted heart. But I know that if you're not careful, you'll be in a heart that's hurried. You ever feel the pressure to make a decision right there in the moment? Uh, I, I mean, I've got to say something. I've got to say the right something right now. Really? Do you? Is that the Lord putting that on you or you just feel nervous? You just feel hurried? Do you just feel anxious? Wow. I can tell you that most of the bad decisions in my life were because I felt like I needed to make a decision before the Lord told me an answer. Forget about whether I was supposed to make the decision in the moment. He hadn't told me anything. So I just decided I was going to make a decision was better than making no decision. I had a hurried heart. Philippians chapter 4 speaks directly to this. Verse 6. You guys know this. Do not be anxious. Do not be hurried. Do not be worried about anything. Come on, that should just smack you in the face. It's one thing to know the scripture. Do not be anxious about anything. But then we go around in our life being anxious about a lot of things. 
Are you anxious about when your next payday is coming? Are you anxious about making the sales so you can have a payday? Are you anxious about what your kids are doing? Are you anxious? Are you anxious? Are you anxious? Yes, we're anxious people. We're hurried people. Our hearts are like liquid. They, they, um, if it's not like liquid in this moment, it's because it's so, I'm, I'm just moving around and I'm frenetic and I'm frantic about what's going on in my heart. On the outside, I'm like, praise God. God's with me. Rock kazakamats. Amen. But you're worried about how people look at your kids. You're worried if this is going to turn out right. You're worried that if you actually step out and do this, you're worried that if you really follow the Lord rightly, that it's going to actually work out because uh, I just don't know that I can do that. Be anxious about... Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Yeah, that doesn't leave anything out. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. You know what it does? It gives you Kazakh and Amats. Man, we're learning how to pray as a church. We are learning how to pray. I, I love what I'm hearing from you. I love what I'm getting texted from you guys. I can see that the Lord is not only doing something for our team abroad, He's doing something for us here. You know why? Because He's just good like that. He's just good like that. He's just saying, yeah, you be real about, about wanting someone else to be, have Kazakh and Amat, and I'm going to take care of you too. You don't have to be anxious about anything, but what if I don't pray enough for me? Yeah, we pray too much for us. It's good for us to pray only for our team that's on the mission field right now. It's good for us to pray for our missionaries. It's good for us to pray for everyone else. And save a little sliver for, Lord, you did say that I'm supposed to bring to you my daily bread kind of needs. Don't be anxious about anything. Let's turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We are not to have hurried hearts or liquid hearts. John 12 and verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. Wow. I mean, Jesus is saying these words, right? Jesus replied in my Bible, they're red letters, big, bold, and pretty that Jesus is speaking. Time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. Boy, I love the fact that we've been praying about the seeds of the gospel. Some specific words and dreams about Nick, specifically, sowing seeds. About others sowing seeds. About harvesting things. That the seeds would get planted in the right kind of soil. We're still praying about, we're still praying about these things. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. Yeah, you don't get a different lot in life than what your master is. My father will honor the one who serves me. Verse 27. Listen to what Jesus says. Still red letters. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Stop right there. Jesus has a heart that's troubled. You know what we do when we have a heart that's troubled? We get hurried or it turns to liquid and we stay fearful. You know what he did? You think he's going to say, Lord, get me out of this? 
Father, save me from this hour. You think that's going to be his response? No. It was for this purpose that I've been put here. The adversity that God is putting upon you, that's around you, that he's allowing, however you want to say it, that adversity is supposed to call you to cry out to him that you might have Kazakh and Amats. That your heart may not be hurried. That you may not run off and do something. But that you will walk in what He has told you to do. That you will not depart from the word of the Lord that is in you. You will not go to the right or to the left. But you will stay firm. This, my friends, is how we grow in the Lord. This is how we add to our faith. This is how we do it. Not just because you can hear it in a sermon. Not because you can preach it in a sermon. But because you're living it every single day. The difficulties in our job, the difficulties in court cases, the difficulty in our finances, the difficulty in our families are for our good. Should I pray that you get saved from this hour? No. That's not very nice, Pastor. Yeah, I'm not trying to be nice today. I'm trying to get you full of Kazakh and Amat so that you will do what you're called to do. It was for this very reason that we're here. So that we can walk rightly in the Lord. First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five. We need this church. You need to be thinking about this word. This is something for us for today. It's for us today. I didn't say it's for you today. I said it's for us. We've got to grow. We've got to be stronger. We can do this. We can have Kazakh and Amats every single day. As a matter of fact, we've got to. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Well, there's that hurried part, isn't it? We don't want to humble ourselves because we want to be lifted up now. We want the pressure taken off now. We want the liquidity of our heart to be settled now. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Man, if we could just learn how to do that, to cast the anxiety on him, you're not designed to carry it. We're terrible at carrying anxiety. Some of you get mean when you're anxious. Some of you get just ornery. Some of you get fearful when you're anxious. Some of you lose heart so quickly, your hearts melt. Some of, come on. We're not good at carrying anxiety. You think you're better at carrying it than you are. Or you wouldn't do it. But pastor, I've got these responsibilities. Yeah, and you're still not supposed to have anxiety. I don't care if you run a Fortune 100 kind of company. I don't care if you've, Got millions in the bank or zero in the bank. You're just not supposed to have anxiety. Why? Because whatever anxiety you have, you're supposed to give it to him. You know why? So you can stay full of Kazakh and Amas and do what he's telling you to do. Amen. This is a right word for our house today. Amen. This is a right word for you. Revelation chapter 3. We're just now at an hour on the preaching part of this service. I need a few, I need a few more minutes to do this rightly. Can y'all stay with me for a few more minutes? I don't just mean in the room. 
I need you to stay with me for a few minutes. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 2. Wake up. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthen what remains in you, my friends. Because there's some of these things that are about to die. You're supposed to strengthen it. You're supposed to fan it into flame. You're supposed to press in. You want God to use you more in spiritual things, but you're just not putting yourself there where you can. You're supposed to strengthen that today. You're supposed to spend time on your knees in your own prayer closet and see what the Lord might do. See, you want it to be manifest in front of everybody, but you got to go do it in private so that in public, God gets the glory. Because if God did it your way, you would take all the glory. That prophecy that you want to give, yeah, it would be wrong. It'd be at the wrong time, at the wrong place, with the wrong word for the wrong people. Go in your closet and pray. Go find some kazakh and amats about you. Get the Lord to speak to you. And then when you're here, you know what the most anointed men I have ever met? You know what they do? They never try to push themselves to the front. Not one time, not ever. There'll be men who've been ministry for 60 years and they'll be asking you what you think about a subject. How ridiculous. They're just humble and they figure they'll learn something today again as well. Wow. Wake up. Strengthen what remains. Strengthen what you have inside of you and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in my sight yet. This is Jesus Christ speaking to the church at Sardis. He's saying, wake up. Strengthen yourself. Get some Kazakh and Amats about you. You're not done yet. Sometimes our passion level makes it look like we've accomplished everything we want to accomplish in our life. We're done. My family's great. Everything's good. I got a job. I'm kind of... You're letting your heart get melted like wax. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in my sight. In the sight of my God. Remember therefore what you have received and heard. My friends... One of the ways to strengthen is that you remember what you've received and heard in this house. That you've received and what you've heard from prophecy. That you've received and what you've received and what you've heard in this place. People will come into this church, get incredibly blessed, get saved, spirit filled, demons cast out of them, put on the right track, and then they'll go somewhere because they forgot what they received. Well, this other church has a... I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Yeah, you're not saying anything. Wake up. Strengthen yourself. Obey it and repent. Woo! But if you do not come, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I come. You know the the idea of the thief coming? It's because you're not obeying and repenting what he's saying. We're not, we shouldn't be surprised at some of these things that are going on. We should be able to stand firm. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to begin to close here. Hebrews <laughs> chapter 12. I think in the ladies' prison today, I think there was a message, and one of the inmates even shared some of these verses. But I, I want to just take a look through quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Boy, sin does. It entangles you easily, doesn't it? Those thoughts, that melting heart. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. You know how you're going to have to run with perseverance? You're going to have to have Kazakh and Amats. Let us fix our eyes. Everybody say fix. You got to fix your eyes on Jesus. You got to lock them in there. Wasn't that part of one of the prophecies that came forth? If we get our eyes off, we sink in the water. It alluded back to Peter walking on water. If we keep our eyes on him, we don't sink. You know how you don't, not afraid or discouraged, but you rather you have strength and courage. You keep your eyes focused. Fix your eyes on him. Lock it in there. Put blinders on, why don't you? Man, when I'm studying, trying to get ready for a service or just studying, I can assure you every time, all hell breaks loose everywhere. Why? Because I'm just trying to fix my eyes on Jesus. So my computer won't work. A task list that is four and a half miles long just goes through my brain. All the things I should have done today, all the things I need to do today. Man, you got to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Go down to verse 12. You have to endure some hardship between what I just read and what I'm about to read. You have to endure hardship as discipline. You have to not lose heart. You have to be Kazakh and Amaz to get here. But look at verse 12. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Now, my Bible does not have a footnote here. It has a footnote after the make level pass for your feet. And it tells me that that is a quote from Proverbs 4, 26. Strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Now, what do you think Paul was thinking about when he wrote this? He was thinking about Isaiah going, oh, yeah, we need to have some Kazakh and Amats about us. Paul was referencing back. I think it's a direct quote, but there's no footnote. I want to I read you something really quickly from David Stern, his commentary on this passage. About Hebrews 12. The contrast with verse 1 is striking. The author no longer offers a pep talk with advice to keep running, but concerns himself with those who can barely walk because of physical and social disadvantage, emotional injury, or being spiritually backslidden. Strengthen your drooping arms. Gradually increase your spiritual capacity for trust-grounded obedience to God. What? Strengthen your drooping arms. There's drooping arms, and then there's like drooping arms. Bingo? No? We used to call it bingo arms. Bingo! It's just what we called it. You don't have to call it that. How are you going to strengthen... How are you going to get going and increase your spiritual capacity for trust-grounded obedience? How are you going to do this? It's because you're going to have some Kazakh and Amats about you. That what you can't lift now, you're going to start working on it. You're going to start, you're going to start having some repetitions in your life of picking up that weight that you want to keep putting aside and you're just going to do it. And you know what's going to happen tomorrow? You're going to do it again. And you know what's going to happen after that? You're just going to do it again. You're not going to need fanfare. You're not going to need applause. You're not going to need a good game. You're not going to need us to come alongside of you and say, man, you've been praying for a whole week. Let's do it again. 
Let's not just do it again, but let's do it better. Let's, let's rep this thing. Let's, let's start getting stronger in our walk. Some of you are getting transformed as we're praying as a church. I can see it. I can hear it. You know what we're going to do? Man, I am so proud of you for this past week. Let's do it again. And let's do it better. Whatever you prayed. If last week you were at a 98, then pray at a 99 this week. If you were at a 17, by God, pick it up, man. At least you're in the game, right? Strengthen, strengthen, gradually increase your spiritual capacity for trust, grounded obedience. You know what the other part says? Steady your tottering knees. Listen, this is Dr. Stern. Get hold of your emotions. Stop fearing the world. Get a hold of your emotions. Get a hold of your thoughts. Stop fearing what the world fears. What an incredible, incredible thing. Let's go back to Isaiah 5 as we close this up. Come on, man. Hebrews 11 says that they had an entire group of people who were full of Kazakh and Amats and their weakness was turned to strength. That's the kind of man I want to be. I want to have my weaknesses turned to strength because of him. Isaiah 35 verse 3. Strengthen the feeble hands. Kazakh the feeble hands. Amats the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful, liquid-like, easily flowing, moving too quickly kind of hearts. Kazak, do not be afraid. Why? Why? Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then, everybody say then. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Come on now. Let's take this in the exact form that it says. Then. When you are full of rock, kazakamats, you know what happens? Then you can see eyes that are blinded open. Then you can have ears unstopped. Then you can have people who are lame begin to jump and dance for joy. What if we take it this way? That when we have kazakamats going on in our life, that the things that you can't see will be open to you. I believe there are miracles ahead of for us in this church. I'm calling it. I'm calling it ahead of time. If I'm wrong, you'll all know that at least he was trying to have some Kazakh and Amats about it. I think in our services, there will be people healed from physical ailments. You know why? Because we're going to show Kazakh and Amats. Then eyes will be opened. Then ears will be unstopped. Then the mute will speak. Then the lame will leap. What if it's you that needs the eyes open? What if it's you that needs your ears unstopped so you can hear his voice? What if it's you that's lame and you don't even know it? What if it's you that's mute because your words just seem to dribble right out of your mouth? As we do this, as we are here, he will begin to change your heart if you will but stand and have kazakh and amats about you. Verse 7. The burning sand will become a pool. You know what happens when you start seeing these things happen in your life? Your circumstances begin to change. You know why? Because you are the thing that begins to change the circumstances, not your circumstances changing you. Your court date no longer cripples you. 
Your bank statement no longer cripples you. Your, your time with your family no longer... You begin to change because the Lord has already changed you. Verse 8, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. Those who have fearful, liquid hearts won't be able to get there. It will be for those who walk in that way. What way? In that way. The way that the Lord has prescribed. Would you stand to your feet with me?